Anissa Yardley and I've been uh, I've been living here in South Africa for about 22 years. I moved here. Uh, I fell in love with South African men, and <laughs> and uh, I've been living here ever since. Um, I've been a life coach for the last five six years, but before that, I used to work in the hospitality industry. And then, being a mom, it really didn't work out for me, and I was really getting bored anyway in my life. So, living where we were, we're living in the middle of the forest in a small outside of a small town. So I took it as an opportunity to change my life completely and I left the hospitality life behind. And for a couple of years, I was like full-time stay-at-home mom. And I took this time to really spend time working on myself. And that was the beginning of a completely, like of a deep inner journey that was not always easy. There were times where I was just thought, Maybe it will be easier to stay ignorant <laughs> than, to get, <laughs> than to do the deep work, but I really wanted that. So I was, uh, I started uh, studying with a, a Tibetan Buddhist teacher and I did a home retreat. It was easy for me to do home retreat. So that's why in a way this lockdown at the moment is not really different for me or difficult because I've been living that way for so long. <laughs> Spend a lot of time doing a lot of self-development work and I've been you know, really diving into this for the last 15 years, actually. But even though I've been a, a really doing a lot of work on myself, after 20 years of being married and when I, my relationship was, it was obvious that we had reached our expired debt. And I thought I was equipped for the breakup. I thought that with all my good intention, everything was going to work out just fine. And we will be able to co-parent our children in uh, like two adults uh, <laughs> and it didn't work out that way. <laughs> <Let's just laughs> it's something, went, a lot of times it does not. Yes. In a way I was expecting him to show up the way he did, but I was very surprised at my own reaction at times. And I was surprised also of the emotion that I, that I was experiencing, that I was going through. I thought I had dealt with it while we were still together. I thought I had done the work. So in a nutshell, I think I was a little bit arrogant about how I was going to handle this <laughs> in a way. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a common thing. I think obviously a marriage is very emotionally driven. It's supposed to be. And then if there is a time that you figure out that it's not working for whatever reason, you, at the very beginning of it, you're just ready to, to, to make it stop hurting. You know, you're, you're ready for it not to feel broken anymore, but you haven't even had time to prepare yourself for the fact that it did break, for the fact that everything has changed, for the fact that, you know, obviously you loved that person or you would have never married them to begin with. So you go through a, a process of mourning and grieving and then you're left with all these broken pieces that you have to figure out, okay, what does my life look like? You know, what does my mothering look like? Because it changes the dynamic of, I was divorced, I'm remarried, but I was divorced. So, I mean, I've been through all of this myself. So, you know, I, I get that. It's, you know, at the very beginning that you feel free just because, you know, the turmoil is not there anymore. The, the arguing, the, you know, whatever it may be, it's, it's stopped for the moment. Exactly. 
but then and all the other emotions that. come out. <laughs> yes, that, but you describe it so well. It's exactly that. At first, I felt so free, and it was quite exhilarating to actually feel that. I felt like I had such a weight that lift off my shoulder, and I was like, oh, gosh, I can breathe. I can be me. I can. It was like, ooh, <laughs> finally, I don't have to walk on eggshells, and it was amazing. And it lasted for, for like a few months, like not really a few months, but like, yeah, I'd say for a little while like that. But in a sense, although I was also feeling this like really strong, strong emotion, like anger. And, and I was like, well, but I thought I had like, I was done with this issue. I thought, you know, I had made peace with that, you know, but mm-hmm. I was still going in circle on a few things, you know, in my mind. So I was going, you know, from the exhilarating, the bliss of freedom to to the, the the destructive anger and resentment uh and the and and the the the, the, the thoughts that were going in circle like, like so I was stuck in the past so I was you know feeling the energy of the freedom for now and then still stuck in the past so it was very difficult to actually move forward because I kept looking back you know at what he did wrong and how I did wrong and what I could have said or could have done and if I had said that or done that maybe things would have been different and if only he had, you know, so it was like all of that. It was like a complete torture, actually, for the mind. I don't know if you felt this way, too, but you mentioned that you um, thought about all the things you did wrong. I can remember at the very beginning when we first started going through our divorce, all I could focus on was what he did wrong. I did not see that okay. I actually did anything wrong at the very beginning. I didn't. I honestly did not. It wasn't until, you know, I did go through that grieving process and I started sorting it all out. I realized I had a large, large, large part to play in it. I did. I was only looking at the very evident things that he did wrong, but, you know, stepping outside of it and looking at it full picture, there were so many things that I did wrong too. And I think, I think a lot of us feel like that. Um, once we do deal with, the the grieving of it to, to deal with the emotions of it and I think that if it's handled correctly we can use that to rebuild ourselves in a way that we've never been before use that to teach ourselves more about ourselves on how we react to things and how you know we allow people to treat us That's an, that was one of the big aha moments for me is yes. you know I had a, an issue with boundaries you know I would not put my boundaries in place but then I would yes. resent the person because they crossed the boundary that was an invisible boundary they didn't even know was there so how do oh, you Maria. get mad at somebody for that you know? that was it that was exactly that you know so when I was mad at myself I was mad about that when I was yep. like looking at what I've done wrong it's exactly what you described you like really spot on the, here it yeah. was, oh, I was angry because it's like, how did you let this happen? You know, you mm-hmm. allowed this, you know, so that anger then became like really that self-sabotage that, that was turned towards me also. So it was one moment I was angry at him and the next it was like, how could I have, I have done this? You know, like allowed him to take my power away or how could I have allowed myself to take my power away? I know that you've used that to create this business niche for yourself. Can you explain to the listeners what you do now? Yes. So now I actually I completely shifted my coaching practice into really helping uh, anybody that's going through this, through a breakup or a divorce and really transform it, like you said, like into a gift because otherwise we're going to keep repeating the same, either we're going to repeat the same thing in a new relationship or we're not going to be able to any, just move past the, the hurt, past the pain. But there's such a gift in the divorce actually. And I, 
my mission is really to help people to see that this relationship and, and the end of it is actually such a gift for us to evolve uh, as human being. And it's because I went through it myself. I think otherwise before I wouldn't probably have gone through, you know, like took uh, that road. And even after my breakup, I didn't really want to talk about it. I, I wasn't really prepared to, I, w- I could share it with some of my clients when we were talking about relationship, but to put it out there and really like be completely public about it and talk about it so openly was not something I really wanted to do. And it's because a friend of mine invited me to do a a, a talk uh, and it was about resilience. And she kept on like asking questions about this. And I was so uncomfortable about it. And I realized, oh, this is probably what I need to do, you know, because it wouldn't make me uncomfortable if I had dealt with everything and if I was okay with all of that. And and it got to a point, you know, I couldn't concentrate at all. I was completely uh, so depressed about everything. I like, I, I, I couldn't even look for client or even. So I was my my coaching practice was actually took a really big dive, and I had to even leave my house. I, I mean, I really lost pretty much everything in this, and uh, and I went to visit my family in France, and I stayed at my mom for a little while, and and. Now I was faced with my own stories and all the ways that I was making myself still a victim of this. And I really didn't like it. I didn't like the way I was showing up. And going through it myself, I decided, no, I've got to be honest about this. And going through the work came up, not came up, but going through my own work, I realized what was really going on. And I created this this program that I call Breaking Good because it's, it's really about, it's like, you know, maybe it's a breakup. We're breaking down also, but there's so much good that comes out of it if you're willing to see the gift in it. If you're willing to to work through the pain and not try to run away from it and and really own it and own the part of yourself, own it, uh, like we were saying earlier, take responsibility for the way we show up in the relationship because it's so easy to want to blame our partner for everything. And even if they had behaved in very unacceptable way, even if they were the, you know, the most despicable person, maybe, um, we still want to pay attention to the way we showed up. Like you said earlier, you know, how was our boundaries? We allowed that, you know, in which way we, are, we, we gave our power away. Every time we wanted to speak that we didn't. Every time we wanted to walk away, but we didn't. What were we getting from it? We wouldn't have stayed. We wouldn't have stayed in this relationship if we didn't get anything from it. And I know it's like sometimes this is a very hard question we have to answer. And we don't, we often don't like the, the true answer. And that's why we have to, I think for, I mean, I think, you know, we have to be radically honest with ourselves, but with kindness. It's not like the work is not that we, we, we show up with honesty, but then we feel guilty about how we showed up. Yeah. It's like, let's be radically honest, but let's be kind with each other, with ourselves when we do that. Otherwise, there's no point in doing the work because then we, you know, from shame, we go to guilt. So the same, then we're not moving forward. We still carry our, we carry our luggage with us. So that's why I think, you know, a divorce is such a great gift for us, for our partner also, maybe even if we don't want to necessarily admit it, and also for our children. Because we don't want to teach our children, we don't want, we want to teach them what real love is, not like a toxic relationship. And, you know, and even if you're not shouting at each other, 
if there's no love, if there's no respect, if, you know, this is what we're teaching our children. And I don't want to teach my kids this. I want them to see that, you know, it's okay to say goodbye to someone. It's okay to break up. That even though we made a promise, we can release ourselves from the promise as long as it's done with respect for the other person, with dignity. I agree. Then it's okay to say goodbye. And I think, especially as women, when we go through a divorce, there is such a feeling of failure, you know, especially if there's children involved because we feel, and I can't speak from a man's standpoint, I've only ever been a woman, but I know how I felt. And I've talked to other people that have felt the same way, that we feel the burden, we feel the brunt of it because, you know, society looks at the family unit as being our responsibility to hold it all together, to, you know, show up to our partner the way that we're, you know, supposed to, to show up to our children, to show up to the home, to still be able to hold down a job. All these, you know, requirements are put up on the back of women that whenever something doesn't work out for whatever that the reason may be, we feel such a sense of shame and failure that like you spoke earlier, you didn't want to talk about it. And I was the same way for a long time. It was shameful. It was shameful that I allowed, that's what I thought. I allowed my marriage to get to the point that we got divorced. It was, it was was shameful. And in some senses, you know, like I said, as I started to do my own self work, I realized in a lot of ways, you know, there was a lot of it that was my fault. And it wasn't until many, many years later that I started to realize that I think it's such a process. I don't think you can even really put a timeline on it. It just depends on how much deep work you have to do within yourself. And as I started reaching back, a lot of this went back to even, you know, my childhood and different things that went on whenever I was a child and how I would respond to it or, or in my case, not respond to it. <laughs> you know, I would exactly. shove it down and not deal with it because it was easier to shove it away. And it wasn't until I had to deal with those things that I really started to learn a lot about myself and a lot about the fact that a lot of the the things that have gone wrong in my life that have gone wrong in my relationships at the very core of it, a lot of it was my fault because I did not put my boundaries out there. And I actually have very firm boundaries that I would allow people to trample all over until I just couldn't anymore because that's the thing with boundaries. You know, you can put up with it for a while you know, and maybe it just comes out a little here and there. But after a while, it gets harder to put up with it and harder to put up with it and harder to put up with it. It's so much more healthy to go ahead and figure out what are my boundaries. And this could even be said in business relationships. This doesn't have to be, you know, romantic partners. It can also be a business relationship because I've made those mistakes as well. (laughs) Every relationship. It's actually every relationship. Yes, yes. And, and I think and it's so important. Yes, absolutely. So when you work with um, women, how, like what is, do you have specific processes to figure out who's a good fit? I know a lot of coaches, myself included, um, I, I keep a very, very low count of people that I work with because I didn't. I didn't set out to be a coach. It's really funny. It, it, it's kind of ends up being something that you end up finding out that oh, I've actually been a coach this whole time. Um, but I keep a very few amount of people that I coach. And so whenever somebody will reaches out to me, I almost interview them almost like it's a, a, a job they're taking and not a job I'm taking because 
it doesn't make sense for me to work with somebody that I know that I'm not going to be able to get down to the core enough with, you know what I mean? So I don't know. Do you have a process whenever you're talking to people? Yes, to yes. So first of all, there are a few ways that people can already get to know me before we even speak. So, uh, uh, they can just uh, look on my website. I, I explain a lot of like how we work together, but the kind of process we work together. And also I've got a free ebook that people can download. So they've got an idea of like what that coaching program is all about. It's a very, I really broke it down. I, like, I keep using the word breaking. I really like made it simple. And I like to make things very simple. So there are uh, three ways people can can get to know me. It's like so, it's through my social media platform on Facebook and Instagram, Anissa Yardley. So it's very easy, just my name. My uh, website is also anissayardley.com, and there they can download a free uh, ebook uh, that's called Breaking Good and How to Transform the Pain of Your Breakup into Your Supreme Gift. And it shows you. It ex- I explain there. Uh, it's uh, uh, how we work together, not just how we work together. So even if they just don't want to work with me already, we're just downloading the book. Mm-hmm. I think they will get already quite a bit of of insight, and they can from there. Uh, you know, if they chose to say like, "Oh, I want to go deeper into that," then they can definitely contact me, and then we talk a bit more. But my ideal, the ideal clients, the people that I really love to work with are people who are already hungry for growth, people who are willing to take responsibility for their life, people who want to move forward, people who who, um, who are tired or don't want to play the victim role uh, because they know they just like, when they're in that space, they know that they're like hiding. And we've all played it. You know, I did it and I know what it's like to be in that space. And it's, you know, but so if they can recognize that they might be playing it, but they're tired of it. They want to move forward in their life. People who, who who understand that uh, uh, they have much more power than what they maybe look like on the outside or what they even sometimes believe. They know it. There's something inside of them. They know that there's that fire in their soul that's just ready to be to spark again. It might have like be dimmed a little bit, you know, because of what went down in their life. But they know that they are so much better than anything that happened to them in their life. I agree wholeheartedly. What happened to them, they passed, doesn't define who they are. And they're ready to take ownership of their greatness. They're ready to step into their greatness. They're ready to embrace their uniqueness. Because the process that I go through with them is very easy. It's like three steps. The first step is reclaim. Reclaim your personal power. And that's like basic foundation. I'm hearing a lot of advice sometimes and from our friends, our family, or sometimes, you know, some advice online, you know, some groups that I, I belong in some of the Facebook women, Facebook group. And when there's a woman that says like, I'm really struggling, you know, I'm just going through a breakup. And when I read the advice and I know they come from a really, from a good intention, from a good heart, you know, the person who's sending this advice, they really believe they're helping that person. But often, this is actually doing exactly the opposite. It's disempowering people. And uh, when you when you say to somebody, "Oh, just let it go," I mean, I, I my hair go up my neck because we know we want to let go. We know that's the answer, but you know, it's not yeah. that easy. It's not. <laughs> and, ways. and if we, if it was that easy, everybody will do it and we'll just move on happily, you know. But sometimes it's not. Um, it depends what situation you are in. So just let go, move on kind of advice. 
uh, you know, really doesn't, is not really helpful. Of course, we know we have to, and that's the next, the second step. But before you let go, you need to take, you need to reclaim your personal power. And that's the ability to stay with you, like embrace the pain. Also, we, you know, we, we can't just run away from our pain run away from our, our suffering. Uh, it's not helping at all. So we need to be able to do that and express it, express what we need in a safe way without feeling that we are going to be judged. And there are space. And when you work with me, you are allowed to do that without falling into the trap of the victimhood. Obviously, we're not, you know, getting stuck in the stories. The idea is that you are able to express it in a healthy and safe, in a safe area. And then take responsibility, like we said, take responsibility for the way you showed up in a relationship. And from then on, we can move to the next step, which is like to release, release yourself from the frozen idea that we have about relationship or the frozen idea that who we are, who we are supposed to be, our identity, our role, like we said earlier, the role that we have, that we taken. But in a healthy relationship, you know, you want a real relationship. You don't want to be role playing. So to be able to move forward in a healthy relationship next, or even if you're going to be single, doesn't matter because it's affect every relationship that you have, the one with your children, with your friend, in your business is, you know, what is the role that you've been taking on? And, you know, uh, can you release yourself from that? You know, and usually, like you said earlier, it's come from very early childhood belief that we developed. And we have a frozen story there about us, you know, and about who our partner should be and how they're supposed to show up. So we look at this, you know, and how we can, how you release yourself from that and from the promises that we've made and the agreement that we had, spoken or unspoken. And that's the, the, the second step. And the third step is the renew. Now we need, now that we've done the deep work and it's been hard and, you know, now we need to look forward to something with a bit of, you know, something we're excited about and we want to, again, take responsibility, but take ownership of the design of our new life. And in a way that embrace our, our, our zone of genius, our uniqueness, and what matters to us the most, our core values. And because we have learned so much, we have grown, and with the deep work that we have realized, maybe what we wanted 10 years ago is not what we want now. So now it's about designing that life in a way that that's aligned with the new us, the new person that we've become and what we've learned, and and so that we can be excited and and share our gift to the world. It's not just for us. So in, in a way like me, like I went through this and now I'm like helping other people. I would have never done that if I hadn't gone through it myself. Yeah. And I think sometimes we go through things just because it's, it's things that we need to know ourselves. Like we teach what we need to know or what we needed to know during that time. I, I find that myself, I gravitate towards teaching all of the things that I now know that I yeah. wish I had known then. And I think yeah. that's where a lot of coaches and consultants and teachers, um, they all pull from is all of the things that they wish they had known during that. Because, and you, you'll probably ask me again 10 years from now, but if you had asked me 10 years ago, I would not have, you know, known a lot of the things about myself, especially that I know now. Um, and yeah. I feel like, you know, we're, we're ever evolving and ever growing and ever changing. And I think the universe has a way of handing us things to deal with that we can either become the victim, like you said, or we can 
brush ourselves off and admit that that was a terrible time in our life and try to figure out what we can learn from it and move on. And, you know, there's some people that don't agree with that mindset, but because there are lots of things that happen that you have zero control over in your life, but you still choose how you respond. And that's always been my thing. You know, you choose how do you respond? Yes, be sad. Yes, be angry. Yes, be whatever emotion you need to be for that moment, but just don't stay there. That's it. Exactly. I mean, you just, yeah, it's, it's exactly that. And then if you can help other people with that, that suffering can become your gift to help other people. Uh, so that it's not just you just move on and you go and live happily ever after. It's like, oh, now I want to be able to help people who are going through similar, uh, a similar story. But I, if I can help them go through that, and maybe they won't need as much time to heal as I did, or maybe, you know, or maybe they won't feel so isolated or, or like they, they know that there's somebody that is going to be there with them as the power partner, no judgment that all that person wants is to see them thrive after that. That story doesn't define who they are, that it's not an attack on their identity. It's not an attack on who they can become. It's actually probably their greatest gift. And from there, they're also going to be able to help other people in ways that they maybe they never imagined before. I agree. And I think the first step is admitting, you know, whatever it is that's happened, happened, dealing with mm-hmm. the emotions of it, and then realizing that it's it doesn't matter what it is. It's not shameful. There's numerous things that's happened throughout my life that I felt like every time something happened, it was like a giant stain on a white couch, you know, that I I wanted to throw a throw over it or put a pillow over it or turn the cushion over because it was so shameful. Instead of telling the story of how that stain got there, you know, I just tried to hide it. And it gets cumbersome to keep all those things inside of you. And then you start to question yourself. I know I got probably at my lowest point, I kept thinking that I apparently just deserved all these things. I apparently just wasn't meant to be happy. I apparently, you start all this hateful self-doubt talk because you feel like you're the only one. And I think it's becoming a little little more prevalent that people are talking about things. Um, but especially in the professional world, it has been frowned upon so long that, you know, if you're a professional, you just don't say those things. If you're a professional, you know, you don't say that you have problems. And that's exactly where this podcast come from is just the fact that I got tired of all the society rules that I was following as well, because I thought I had to, where you felt like you had to wear a mask at all times and you couldn't really show that you were a real person. You couldn't show that you were going through tough times. You couldn't show that everything wasn't perfect in your business or perfect in your family life or whatever it may be, because that was not professional. And when everything come crumbling down around me. I couldn't hold it together anymore. I couldn't keep that mask on anymore. It felt so freeing. Again, almost like a divorce because I didn't have to. I couldn't keep up the mask anymore and I didn't have to anymore. But then I went through that same grieving process as I did when I went through my divorce of trying to figure out, okay, well, where does this leave me? Okay, I'm a failure. Okay, what do I need to do now? You know, all these emotions that you have to deal with again, you know, it's, it's funny that now I feel 
even though that was a terrible time in my life, I feel I'm thankful for it at this moment because it unveiled, unveiled things that I, I still hadn't realized about myself. I feel like all the time life has been kind of refining me and saying, okay, no, you know, and putting me back on track again. And, you know, I get myself off track. It's almost like a little lost child, you know, they're supposed to stay on the path and they keep like trying to wander down through the fields. You know, I feel like that's how I've been in my life. I keep getting off path somehow. I keep getting like smacked back and saying, okay, this is where you're supposed to be. And I get set back on my path again. So I actually, at this moment, feel myself that everything is far more clear than I ever have felt before. And I think it's because I have been stripped away of all the need to pretend I got everything together, the need to say my life is perfect, the, you know, the need to whatever. I, I've decided that, you know, I can say my life is crazy. I have seven kids and one of them is autistic. Uh, my life is yeah. crazy. My life is busy. It's a blessing, yeah. but there's sometimes I want to run away screaming. You know, it's not perfect. It's sure not. And I think it's digging into those emotions and say, and it's okay for me to feel like that for that moment. Now I would be a terrible mom if I always felt like that, but I'm not a terrible mom for feeling like that at this moment. <laughs> I'm just overwhelmed yeah. at this moment. No, you know, you're a human being and you're exactly. living in your authenticity and, uh, you, you like what you describe as like, I don't need anybody to validate what I'm feeling. I'm feeling the way I'm feeling and I'm completely okay with it. In that moment, that's how I feel and I accept it. Exactly. And yeah. I, I have a very sarcastic personality anyway, and I <laughs> tend to put humor within everything, even serious situations. And that's my yeah. coping mechanism with some things. And, you know, when I'm yep. stressed, I try to make a joke out of it. And that's my way of not panicking in a situation, my way of not getting overwhelmed is to try to lighten the situation. You know, <laughs> I think we all have our little coping mechanisms. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And as long as you know it, and that's what, that's the whole thing that you have a coping mechanism and that, you know, it's not about running away, mm -hmm. that it's you actually dealing with what's going on. You're not running away from it. I like what you said earlier, like you've been stripped of like pretending that everything was perfect when you like in the more like corporate world. Mm -hmm. When I used to be in the hospitality industry and I worked there for 15 years, just before we were starting our shift and we were like in the changing room and, you know, we always have like you, you have the uniform. And before I was starting my shift, uh, there was always somebody's like, let the show begin. And it was exactly that, you know, because for like the next 12 or 15 hours, we knew you know, we had to put a mask on regardless of what was going on in our lives. Uh, you know, we had to be, to put the show on. And uh, there was a point where also like, like you, I was like, it was so liberating when I actually walked away from all of it with absolutely no uh, regret. I didn't know what I was going to do next. I had no clue what I was going to do, <laughs> but all I knew was like, I don't, I can't leave this life. Yeah. Uh, And, and, uh, it took me a while to figure it out, you know, and I did lots of other things. I mean, at one point I was teaching swimming, uh, you know, because I used yeah. to be a swimmer. So I was teaching children to swim. Uh, I, I was making, uh, incense with a friend. I mean, I did a lot of things and it was like what you said, it was like finding my way around, you know, and because I used to be involved a lot in training when I was in the hospitality industry and I worked with a lot of coaches, then I would decide, Hey, You know, that, you know, I was naturally good at this. I didn't know. Somebody, another coach pointed out to me and I was like, Hey, that's not a bad idea. You know, and uh, the idea was that I could work from anywhere in my mind. I was going to be anywhere if I'm going to do this. I don't want to be 
dependent on a place geographically or exactly. work for someone. Or, so I want to set it up so that I'm going to be, I can work from the beach, from the forest, from wherever I am, that it's mobile. And that was like, you know, I'm, I was able to, 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 it took a lot of time and it's still like, you know, it, it's not always easy to do it that way. Sometimes I, I'm at home and the kids, I have to lock myself in the bathroom. I'm sure you know oh, what it's like. I do, do know this. what that is like. Yes. <laughs> and I have to lock myself in the bathroom so I can make a call and, and <laughs> or I go in the car and I just go up the road like an idiot. So, but you know, that's for me, it was, I've, I've eventually after, uh, all of this stuff that didn't work out or where I wasn't happy, that was causing so much depression in a way that was crushing my soul you know, creating the life that I wanted because actually I didn't care anymore what, what people were thinking. And when I went to that, I still get a lot of criticism of like, oh, but you should be living in a big city or you should be doing that and you should be doing it that way. And I'm like, maybe that's your advice for you. That works for you, but that's not how I want to do things. And now I don't take it so personally anymore when they say that. And it's, I think, a result of doing all the work like you did of like, I don't need you to tell me how I'm going to live my life or how I should set it up. I don't need your approval. And that's whether it's in my relationship, in my love relationship, in my, with my friends or my business. And that's a bit what you were describing earlier. Like I don't need anybody's validation about how I design my life. And I think it's important to get to that part and to that point. And I think that it can be hard to get to that point at first, but then I, I think it gets easier or it feels like it does to me. I know one of my big things mm. that I have been making sure of is making sure that all of my decisions are purposeful. And there's um, a saying that I have that I say that all of our actions that we choose to do need to align with two things. It needs to align with our values and it needs to align with our priorities. Mm And values and priorities seem like they're the same things, but when you break them down, they're not necessarily. So our values can be anything, anything that we value. A lot of times our family is included. And then our priorities is going to kind of put those values into an order of sorts. And then we choose what actions that we're going to do and what ends up messing us up as people. And I know it's messed me up pretty much every time that I've been messed up. It's been because of this is I'll come up with a great idea. Oh, that's a great idea. And it's not that it's not a great idea, but I don't sit and think, okay, does this fit into my values and does this fit into my priorities? Because it doesn't matter if it's the best idea in the world. If we don't figure out how to align them with our values and align them with our priorities, it's going to fail every single time. Now, it might not at first, but it's going to slowly start to deteriorate everything around us. And we're going to be trying to hold up the pieces. It just doesn't work. The, the values is like the foundation. And then you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to have exactly. much fun. Exactly. It's, and, and I think that, you know, understanding that I think is very powerful because I'm a very impulsive person. And I talk about this in my podcast on a regular basis that I know this about myself now as I've gotten older and older and older. I, I realize this about myself that I'm very impulsive. You know, I'll come up with a great idea and I have to do it right, right then because I don't yes. know. I just want to do it right now. I have to do it now. I'm just super yeah, impulsive. I do. And I know this about myself. Yes. I know this about myself now. And it, that's powerful. Knowing that is powerful because I put myself, um, I have boundaries on that with myself that I'm like, okay, no, I'll write down this idea. I'll table it. I'll come back to it and look at it. Because if not, 
I end up just jumping from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. Um, and I end up jumping into things that I have no idea why I even jumped to, into it to begin with. Like I, I owned a boutique at one point. I knew nothing about the boutique industry, zero, like zero things about the boutique industry. I just decided I was going to start a boutique because it looked fun and I liked cute clothes. And that was literally the, <laughs> the basis of me deciding to start this business. And it was awful. And I hated every second okay. of it. And I figured out that, yes, I love a cute outfit, but I don't necessarily know the trends. I don't necessarily like shopping, which you have to shop a lot when you own a boutique. It was just, there were so many things wrong yes. with that idea. And I was thankful when somebody offered to buy it. I was like, yes, please, <laughs> please buy it for me. <laughs> because I had, I had impulsively jumped into this idea because it, it seemed was, fun. And it was probably know? getting, yes. And it was probably like running it on a daily basis was probably getting you out of flow rather than being keep keeping you in flow. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, th- these are things that I know about myself and I've cost myself a whole lot of, of heartache and money and stress <laughs> from all my decisions. So now oh. I make myself think because like, those ideas still pop in my head. Um, I was on a plane one day and I'm watching a flight attendant, you know, and I'm like, oh, that looks like so much fun. So then I start Googling how to become a flight attendant. And I'm like, stop, Maria, stop. (laughs) Because at that moment, I'm like, oh, she's traveling. She looks like she's having so much fun. And I'm Googling. I have to like smack myself in the hand like a child and say, no, stop. Because I don't want to be a flight attendant. I mean, am I sitting thinking about, do I want to be a flight attendant? No. Just at that moment, it'll look fun. And I'm impulsive and I'm like, oh, let's try that. You know, yeah. it's just, it's, it's funny things that we start to figure out about ourselves. And we all have those little things. It might not be that we're impulsive. All of us are impulsive, but we all have those little things that we have to figure out about ourselves and we have to yeah. make sure it almost make rules. Okay. Like with me, if I come up with an idea, I table it. If I still love that idea, you know, a while later, then I might look at it a little closer. But nine okay. times out of 10, I look at them and go, okay, no, <laughs> not interested at all. Yes. It took you like it was a journey for you to discover. And then a lot, like a lot of honesty uh, around, you know, how you think and how mm-hmm. you act. And for me also, I mean, I had a, a, quite a similar process of like I was doing things that were uh, you know, I was getting excited about quick, you know, but then quickly I realized I'm not going to, you know, the idea of doing it on a daily basis was very, was becoming, I knew was not going to be an option. Mm-hmm. And it's actually funny you say that because I actually helped my client. That's what I used to do before I shifted completely to, to, uh, breakup coaching was that to help my, pl- my client actually identify the zone of genius, how they get into flow. And I use it in the coaching, in the divorce, in the breaking good program. In the in the uh, the third step of renewing, where we identify, you know, their zone of genius, which is unique to them, because like you say, you the way, the way you think naturally, somebody else will think naturally in a very different way, and then like you know, embracing uh, our zone of genius, the the way that we unique and how we get into flow, makes things so much easier. Uh, when we know where we are naturally good, our natural strength, and then you align that with your core personal values. And in which order of the values, like you said, you know, between your priorities and your values. So when you bring everything together, it's so much easier to stay on purpose because now you've got clarity. It's not just like having a goal. I don't even like the word goal, actually. I don't, I'm actually almost remove it from my, my vocabulary. Yeah, it's been, it's overused uh, with very little meaning most of the time. It's overused. And as I think also it can be very, 
detrimental to someone because often we set some people, sometimes you set goals, the traditional way of setting goals, and then 80% of the time people drop them very quickly. Mm-hmm. They don't follow through or they don't feel good about it after a while and they like just want to keep at it just because they decide, they say I've set a goal, but often it's not the right goal for them. And that's why I don't exactly. like the word also. I think like, you know, when we look at taking ownership of the design of our lives, I like, you know, that let's first, before we design and set up, you know, what you want to do next is like, let's again, my whole point is like, can we slow down everything in a world where everything is going so fast, where being busy is very fashionable, where, you know, looking busy is, looks like you're doing something, but doesn't necessarily mean you are very productive. Exactly. <laughs> and being productive doesn't mean like you have to run and work 12 hours a day. I do more in two hours a day than some people do in 10 hours, but because I am on purpose. And because also I understand and I know myself so well now, I know how I get into flow. I know where my genius is. And the things that I I know are taking me a bit longer to do, it's either I'm handing over to somebody else who's going to do it so well because they're naturally good at it. Or I know I'm going to block a bit more time because I know it's going to take me longer and I might not enjoy it that much. Doesn't mean I can't do it. So it's all about also knowing ourselves. And uh, I'm lost. You see, now I've lost track of my, my thoughts, actually. <laughs> well, you, you were saying that you wanted to make sure that you knew yourself and you know that all the choices that you're making are purposeful. And I think that's kind of the core of this is getting to know yourself, deciding yes. what your what your purpose is. And I don't think it comes to us overnight all the time. You know, I think when we think about my, that purpose is that, you know, it comes to us in a dream or, you know, something oh. that's very elaborate and romantic like that. But it doesn't happen like that for most people. You know, some people may automatically know what they are meant to do. But I think yes. that's a very small percentage of people. I think for most of us, we trip and fall through life and accidentally land in what we're supposed to do. <laughs> I think that's much more also, common. Yes. I think also because, you know, at school, uh, you know, you are told to think a, a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have good marks, then you're a good student, you know. So a lot of, I mean, me, I really, I was bad at school. I was like, I mean, bad. I was an average student, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, if you're like not sure about, you know, where you should go in life, what you're naturally good at. Just try to remember what were you criticized for at school? So for Mm -hmm. me, it was like, oh, she's a daydreamer. Yes, because I used to go in like, you know, my fantasy world. (laughs) But because I'm really good at, you know, at looking things from a bigger picture perspective. I like to see, I visualize things. And some people are really good at connecting with other people. So the, the kid who's always chatting in the classroom you know, the one who's always talking and the teacher has to say, please be quiet, be quiet. That was, no, that was me. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> These ones are very good at connecting with people. They're very good at bringing people together. So we're all good at something. It's not what we were maybe told we have to be good at school. And then we believe that we're silly, that we're stupid, that we talk too much or that we didn't talk enough or whatever, you know, we were meant to believe or what, that we were criticized for. We think that that this is a negative trait when innocent is actually a very good trait. This is your gift. <laughs> I agree. And I think so even as school, we get older. often does a lot of damage to children. Uh, and it very uh, well can. I agree. Because it stays with us. 
it stays with us. It stays with us. And then well, and then we, that can, oh, becomes our so self-talk. For years, I thought that I was very, you know, that I was not smart enough. Mm-hmm. Well, and even as an adult, you know, like I said, I'm very impulsive, which that can be a negative quality. But if I realize that about myself, you know, being impulsive can be used for good. I, you know, I have no problem going ahead and starting something. I don't sit on it for five years. You know, I yes. look yes. at it and I, and I, I just jump, you know, and I, I call myself now a hesitant jumper. I don't just blindly jump headfirst anymore. I look at it, but I also am not too afraid to kind of throw it out there. I throw it out there and then I see, okay, well, this needs to change a little bit or, okay, this is not working or whatever. That can, that, you know, a lot of times our um, negatives, if we can harness it, it can be used as a as powerful good because those are the things that we're naturally drawn toward for some reason. And we just haven't figured out what that is. You know, you mentioned in school about being a daydreamer. I was a daydreamer. I was also um, yes. very talkative. And I actually won an award for being able to communicate mm-hmm. across the room. This was in fifth grade, me and my friend, Regina. We talked through class the entire day. So our teacher separated us and put us at opposite corners of the room. So we developed ways to still communicate all day long. So at the end of the year, we got an award for that. <laughs> we communicated across the room because we figured it out because we had things to say, you know. So yeah. And you probably have no problem like, uh, you know, doing public speaking and, yeah. and interacting with people that you don't know. And, you know, and how many people actually so scared of that? So this is a truly a, a gift. But at school, you were criticized for it. I was. And, and there's sometimes I need to shut up. Yeah, there's sometimes I talk yeah. too much. There's sometimes that I've been in public speaking <laughs> events and uh, some of my employees will be in the back of the room, you know, making hand signals to me to stop talking, <laughs> stop talking because I get very excited and then I just start going. And Yay. sometimes, you know, the more excited you get, the more your natural personality shines there. And I have a very silly personality, which not everybody gets my humor all the time. So, you know, sometimes in certain situations, even though we want to be our authentic self, there's also a time and place for some things. <laughs> so that can sometimes be a challenge. I really like the idea that you've got yourself such a niche area that you're specifically wanting to work with people that have gone through that breakup, because I don't think there's a lot of people that specifically do that. And I think it's very much needed because when you have a a breakup from a relationship, you are left with literally a bunch of pieces of your life and you're emotionally broken, but a lot of times you're financially broken and you don't know what your life looks like or even where to start. And you feel this urgency to do something, but you're not sure what to do. So I love the idea that, you know, you've got such a heart for helping people that are going through that emotionally. Is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners before we wrap up? Um, No, I mean, all I can say is like, uh, it's a, a divorce or breakup can be a really beautiful gift. If you're willing to accept the gift gracefully, it really can be amazing opportunity. If you're willing to see it, then I think your life can be amazing and you can touch other people's life and really become the person you were born to become. Well, I really appreciate you being on, Anissa, and I look forward to checking up with you later in the future and maybe we can do another call sometime. Uh, that would be fantastic, Maria. I really enjoy speaking with you. And uh, yes, I wish you all the best in this lockdown period. This is uh, <laughs> very, <laughs> this is a very interesting time for for the world and it for is. all of us. Yes. Um, 
And uh, I know a lot of people are feeling very stressed and anxious right now. Uh, so, yes, good luck to everyone and reach out when you need help. Don't isolate yourself. Exclamated. LA Times, I stay on page six. I'm even your favorite's favorite. <laughs>